Peace and blessings. Welcome to another episode of Boss Hijabi Panur. I'm your host, Halima de Oliveira of BUNHD, and today I'm flying solo and I'm talking about faith in business versus imposter syndrome and how the two may intersect. Women often appear to suffer from the misconception that to be successful in business or accepted in society, they have to diminish or denounce their faith or beliefs. As a business coach, I have encountered women cross-culturally who face internal conflict regarding their religious identity, maintaining their family roles, and being their most authentic selves. I developed this podcast to help guide them back to reclaiming their faith, better define their Islamic roles so they can own their identity, live their absolute best life, and be a powerhouse in business. With so many women, specifically Muslim women, and covered Muslim women particularly, emerging in the professional landscape, I think it's important or an important time to talk about faith and how Muslim women can empower themselves to show up better at work. Um, I've been getting a lot of uh, different uh, DMs and uh, different things like that from women just from all over the world, just talking about, you know, how do I begin to have the conversation at work? You know, we just finished the month of Ramadan. We celebrated Eid. And a lot of women who maybe have gone uncovered for a while are going to head back to work and are thinking about covering again. There are some women who were stay-at-home moms for a number of years and they want to go back to work and um, they feel that, you know, wearing hijab, uh, some women wear a niqab. So hijab is the covering that a Muslim woman wears over her head. Um, some other faiths adopted the hijab as well. Some Christians and some Jews and some other religions as well have what uh, you can consider to be a hijab. It's just a covering over the head. And, um, you know, a lot of these women are just, you know, afraid that, uh, you know, they're going to get some backlash, they may not be hired, or, you know, uh, they may experience some difficulty at work. And then you have those women who wear niqab, and niqab is basically the face veil that's worn over the face. And so, you know, you can probably imagine uh, they go through an even more difficult uh, time. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily have uh, experience with uh, wearing niqab because I have never worn niqab, but, you know, these are just secondhand stories and accounts of, you know, just some of the things that even women wearing niqab go through, which is even more difficult because if you're, a, you know, a front-facing employee, it may be required for, you know, you at work, you know, to have your face shown, etc. So a lot of different things can go into that. I'm not necessarily going to go into the niqab uh, piece, but I will talk about just the overall hijab piece and just how, you know, faith shows up at work when you are a woman that physically observes hijab. So I wanted to just point out um, you know, that, you know, I think that it's important for us to, you know, have these types of conversations where we're empowering women to, uh, you know, bring their most authentic selves to work. And if that indeed means they're wearing this covering over their head called a hijab, then, you know, that's how they should show up at work. And so I wanted to talk about, you know, just what faith is, you know, as it pertains to work and how, you know, it correlates to work. So for me, you know, as an employee that, you know, not only, uh, 
uh, is Muslim or was Muslim at the time. I'm no longer an employee. I'm a, a CEO. So I'm, I'm on the other side of this. And so I get to determine, you know, kind of my comings and goings a little bit better these days. But, you know, when I was an employee, you know, um, you know, I showed up to work in a hijab and, you know, I didn't show up to work in a hijab to necessarily flaunt. Hey, look at me. I'm wearing a hijab. I showed up to work as an employee that happens to wear hijab. And I think that that's different. You know, I think that, you know, hey, I'm Muslim, but hey, I want to be this amazing thing. I want to be this boss person in business, you know, a professional woman. And I want to be able to help people through my particular field of work. And I just happen, I just so happen to wear hijab. And I think that, you know, a lot of times that, you know, our hijab becomes front and center versus, you know, the person showing up to work and, you know, the knowledge that they have, the skill set that they have being the first thing that shows up to work. And so I thought that that was important. But faith allows you to be driven by strong values, gives you a guided, a moral compass in a world of inauthenticity. Um, The more grounded a person is in faith, the truer you are to yourself. So the less likely you are, uh, you know, to kind of do underhanded things. I'm not going to, you know, say that, you know, people don't do underhanded things. But I think when you adhere to a faith and it's not just Muslims, just anyone who adheres to a faith, faith, there's, you know, certain values and just, you know, guidelines that you abide by. And, you know, the more serious you are about your faith, the more likely you are to adhere to those guidelines and the less likely you are to, you know, cut corners and that kind of thing. You're just operating um, in excellence. So that word ihsan coming up, you know, for Muslims, just operating in excellence and just, you know, bringing the, you know, integrity and those values, um, you know, to work. And so, you know, that's how you show up, you know, as a Muslim woman, you know, that's how I show up to work. That's how I think, you know, I don't believe in shortchanging someone. I believe in due diligence, all those good kind of things. And so, you know, it's uh, allowing, um, you know, us, you know, to create an environment where people respect you as a leader and want to follow you because of your authenticity, integrity, and respect. And whether you're Muslim or not, that's something that you want to create. You want to, you know, people to be drawn to you just as a leader because you're authentic, because you operate in integrity and you have respect not only for yourself, but you have respect for others. And I think, you know, for me as a Muslim woman, you know, part of that respect is, is you know, I'm, I'm being obedient to my creator. I'm, I'm, you know, adhering to, you know, these particular ayat in the Quran that I'll go over in just a little bit. I can mention them in just a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm adhering to these ayat and Quran. Imagine me as an employee, you know, if there are certain guidelines and, and, and rules that we follow by, I'm more likely to be an employee that will follow by those rules as well. So for me as a Muslim woman, you know, hijab is a very important component of faith because it's the way that I express my adherence and my obedience to my faith as many other religions do, as I named a little bit earlier. And for me, um, they are guidelines that are set down um, in the Quran, which is the book that a Muslim or a person who follows the religion of Islam uh, follows. And so those ayat are in uh, Surah Nur 2430 through 31, um, and also ayat 60 of that same surah. So ayat means verse. And so it's uh, 2430 through 31, and also 60, verses 60 in that same uh, surah, Surah Nur, which is the 24th surah in the Quran. And then you have Surah Ahzab, where in 3359, it's a little bit more explicit and it goes into, you know, um, you know, actually the use of, uh, you know, hijab. 
And so I think that that's important. You know, a lot of times, you know, you may see a woman and her expression of hijab may be one thing and then another woman's expression of hijab may be another way. And each person um, is different, uh, you know, the same way, you know, a person may read it differently. A person's culture may dictate uh, what, you know, how they wear hijab, how they express themselves in hijab. And so I think that that's an, a conversation that's an individual conversation. So, you know, if this person shows up to work looking like X, you know, that's a conversation that, you know, the employer and the employee have, you know, this is how my expression of hijab and this is how I'm going to show up to work. You know, does it work, you know, in my environment? If you're working with a conveyor belt, you know, uh, you may need to adjust it a little bit just to, you know, for safety reasons, not even for, you know, someone trying to diminish uh, your expression of hijab, but for safety reasons, it may not uh, work with the machinery. So just, you know, being um, cognizant of, you know, safety, being cognizant of the different reasons why, you know, um, and there may need to be additional conversations around hijab at work. Um, and I think um, it's important to talk about, uh, you know, like drawing the line. And so, you know, no one is showing up to work, at least, you know, I know I'm not. And most people that I talk to, we're not showing up to work, uh, you know, uh, you know, to try to convert anybody to becoming Muslim or anything like that. We're showing up to work um, as who we are and we want to be respected for who we are and allowed to do the work that's required of us. I think all of us want to do an amazing job just as human beings. We all want to do an amazing job. We all want to feel like um, we are productive citizens and, you know, we are, uh, you know, contributors at work. We're contributors to our society. We're contributors uh, to our community. And so, you know, that that's essentially how we want to show up to work. And we're not looking to actively recruit co-workers to Islam. Um, you know, if, you know, someone asks us a question, you know, I think that we should be open to answering those questions. But I think that there's definitely a line that needs to be drawn, you know, as far as, you know, faith is concerned. You know, we're not looking to go to work and, you know, recruit anybody. We're looking to go to work to to do a job and, and, and to be, you know, productive citizens and contributors on our our team. And, uh, you know, just wanted to really like hone in on, you know, why it's important for people to respect my hijab while I'm at work, you know, or, you know, for women that are at work, but also to see past it and, and be able to see, you know, our abilities or to, you know, to see our ability to perform our job. You know, wearing hijab doesn't give us this special power. You know what I mean? Uh, some of us Muslim women, we joke and we, we call our hijab a cape. But I think, you know, just as women, you know, we, we're always wearing capes. Um, we wear so many different hats and we're we're doing so many different functions in the day, you know, that, you know, it's an, just an ongoing joke, you know, that our hijab may be, you know, our cape. But, um, you know, I just think, we, but, you know, just all jokes aside, hijab does not give us any uh, um, special abilities, but it also doesn't um, diminish our abilities either. So, you know, in most cases, you know, when we're doing a job, you know, we have the same education as the person that's next to us. Um, we have, you know, we may come from a background that's similar uh, or, you know, um, you know, we may come from an IT background if we're in IT. We may come from you know, we may have gone to hair school together, you know, nail salon. Uh, we, we may have, you know, gone to the same college as, as our peer. And so it doesn't diminish 
you know, our ability to, to perform the job either. So it doesn't give us any special abilities and it doesn't um, take away our abilities either. So I think that, you know, each of us, you know, we show up as our individual selves, whatever that looks like, or, you know, whatever, you know, that is. So I think that that's important that, you know, we, we're not looking for anything, um, you know, special because we wear hijab, but we're also not looking for any of our rights or any of our abilities to be taken away or um, diminished. We, you know, we deserve the, the position we have. And so the second part of this um, episode, I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome. And I, I think that the two go hand in hand. I think anytime uh, we're, you know, uh, we're on, you know, we're kind of on display or our, you know, um, you know, our, uh, you know, our characteristics or attributes that are unique. So, you know, wearing hijab is definitely something that's unique in the corporate, um, you know, landscape, you know, that, um, you know, in the corporate landscape, sometimes what happens is, is that, you know, we look different, we show up um, different. And so when you have that, a lot of times there's, there's this, um, you know, there's this like uh, hidden like competition or this hidden comparison that we start to do. And, you know, that's where imposter syndrome comes in. So I wanted to explain kind of where the whole imposter syndrome comes from. So imposter syndrome is a term coined in 1978 by clinical psychologist Dr. Pauline R. Clance and Suzanne Imes, referring to high achieving individuals marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. I don't know about you, but I have definitely experienced this. You know, I went a period of time where I didn't cover in hijab in the corporate space and I experienced imposter syndrome. I experienced imposter syndrome because I was a woman. I experienced imposter syndrome because I was younger. Um, you know, I moved up the corporate ladder pretty quickly and I was very young. And then, you know, just imposter syndrome, you know, uh, just as, you know, a woman, a person of color and, uh, you know, just for my age as well. So, you know, just anything that made me unique or different in the space, you know, uh, you know, created like this comparison. And, you know, well, the reason why she got it is because, you know, they're they're letting, you know, the younger generation in or they're trying to move us out. And, you know, we ju I just went through, you know, just a lot. And I'm sure, you know, you as the listener, you have gone through your own version of inspiration imposter syndrome for whatever reason. And, you know, imposter syndrome or fraud syndrome defined by uh, the dictionary is said to mean that it's the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. And so again, just bringing back in, you know, because I'm this is the reason why, you know, I was pushed through. And oftentimes that's not our, you know, sometimes that's not our not just our own thought, it's also um, us, you know, uh, having this perception of what other people think of us. So, um, you know, we often internalize messages that we aren't good enough, um, or we have a sense um, that our feelings can undercut our ability to achieve, um, to accept our own achievements and successes, right? So, you know, sometimes what we think is, is that, you know, um, you know, I, I arrived at this place, but I'm not sure I arrived at this place because I have this degree. I'm not sure I arrived at this place because, you know, I'm good enough to, to, to be at this place. And so I think that it's important for us, not only as women, but as Muslim women and as covered Muslim women to understand that, you know, every room that we find ourselves in, I remember a, um, 
one of my mentors saying this, um, she was uh, hosting an event and she said, if you are in this room, be in this room fully. And she was just talking about, you know, um, every room that you are invited to or every room that you show up to is your room. And so to be there fully. And what does that mean? It means that, you know, you, you go into that room and you show up in that room. You know, if there are contacts in that room that you've been dying to connect with, if there are, you know, people in that room that have some knowledge or have, or, or they are a connection or have the connection to the connection to the connection to get you to the next step, to get you to the place where you want to be, show up fully, introduce yourself. Don't, don't shy away. And don't think that, you know, because you don't necessarily have the, or, or feel you have the credentials that you can't show up. You know, I know a lot of people that don't have college degrees. I know a lot of people who uh, dropped out of school, you know, dropped out of college. I know a lot of people who don't necessarily have the degree that they want. I'm one of those people, you know, I would like to be further along in my education, um, you know, than I am, you know, I would like to have a master's, a doctorate, you know what I mean? I, I, I would, I would like those things for myself, but it doesn't diminish my 20 year experience in the corporate space. It doesn't diminish, you know, a lot of the skills that I have, the things that I've learned over the years, you know, running several different businesses over the years. It doesn't diminish that, that knowledge that I gain, that, that hands-on knowledge that I gain in those spaces. And so I'm able to educate um, women. I'm able to, you know, educate people on different things. You know, I've written two books. I'm, you know, in the process of writing the third. And, you know, I'm not saying this to, you know, put my achievements forth. I'm saying this for you to, to, get a piece of paper, you know, get a blank piece of paper and write down all of the skills, write down, um, you know, the different achievements, write down the degrees that you do have and start to operate from that space um, versus operating from this place of lack and operating from, hey, I don't have this and that's why I don't deserve to be here. How about we change the conversation and we say, I do have this and this is why I deserve to be in this room. And, you know, I do possess this X, Y, and Z skill that I don't see anywhere in this room and that is what creates what that is the unique value proposition that I have that is the unique unique value that I bring to the table in any room that I'm in you know I'm able I am a Muslim woman who was in the corporate space and you know I you know I, I was successful um, in the corporate space but I also know the flip side of the coin I also know you know that uh, you know there's some work that needs to be done in the diversity and inclusion there's some work that needs to be done in training you know uh, Muslim women um, to want more for themselves, um, you know, in uh, the different spaces that they find them in. Um, and not only just uh, as, you know, um, Muslim women, but as women. And also, you know, if you happen to be a woman of color, you know, there are so many uh, different spaces that we need to show up in and we need our voice to be heard so that other people can come into those spaces. And the benefit of, you know, those people come into spaces is the value that they bring. You know, I often talk about, you know, you know, curing cancer. And I often talk about, you know, advances in technology. You know, a lot of that may come from, you know, uh, women and may come from, you know, women of color, may come from Muslim women, because, you know, just think about as a mom, you're always looking to, you know, make life easier, you know, as, you know, a community that is, you know, um, largely impacted by cancer. You know what I mean? We should be looking for the cure. We should be, you know, testing out, you know, different, um, you know, remedies and, and, and cures, you know, for cancer because, you know, it affects our community. Um, so, 
so much. And so I think that, you know, um, we need to start up playing uh, what we do have and start up playing what our unique value is when we, we, we come to the table instead of diminishing it. So I think, um, you know, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times what we'll see, and I'll give you an example, what we'll see is, you know, a lot of minorities. And when I talk about minorities, it could be race, it could be religion, it could be, it could be whatever. A lot of minorities, you'll see them go back to school. You know, if they haven't received a promotion in a while, or they haven't received a raise in a while, their answer to it is, hey, I need to go back to school. And, you know, yes, by all means, you know, uh, go back to school and further your education if you feel the need to do so. But I think that some of that comes from the fact that we don't feel that uh, we we possess what we need to come to the table. You know, I know um, a lot of uh, people talk about, you know, um, males, you know, males, you know, don't feel, you know, males don't necessarily um, meet all the requirements for a job and they'll apply anyway. And only us as women and, you know, minority women will we say, okay, I have this, 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 and this. Oh, but I don't have this, so I'm not even going to apply. And I think that we need to start taking the, the, the attitude that, no, we should apply. You know, even women who want to open up a business. Well, I don't have the certification or I don't this or I don't this. You know, if, you, if it's a business that doesn't require any, you know, certifications or it doesn't require, it doesn't require them, you know, go ahead and start that business. Go ahead and write that book. Go ahead and start that business. Go ahead and, and formulate that partnership. Go ahead and have that event. Um, because what that will do will start to boost your confidence. And then you, there will no longer be this, oh, well, I, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Just start showing up to spaces and just start, you know, um, moving towards the goals that you have for yourself. And so I hope that, you know, this podcast and this episode you know, empowers you to want more for yourself, empowers you to uh, kind of get out of this space of comparison. Um, it is definitely the thief of all, and I mean all joy. Um, and so you want to, you know, the ways that you want to combat, um, you know, imposter syndrome, combat, you know, uh, just, you know, someone trying to diminish diminish you is to get grounded in who you are. That's number one. And then to remember your actual value and, you know, and just stop comparing yourself. Truly, 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 you know, if there's any point that I want to hone in on um, during this episode is that to lose the comparison and to to not diminish um, yourself. And just remember, you know, in this world of social media, um, you know, in this time of, you know, uh, just, you know, just, you know, where everything is on display, you know, there's pictures everywhere, there's video everywhere, you know, everybody says, you know, um, video and content is king and, you know, all that kind of stuff. No one just know that no one is posting their failures. Everyone is showing their accomplishments. They're showing the highlight reel. They're showing everything. They're announcing everything that is the best of the best, the cream of the crop. This is what we did, but no one is showing showcasing their, their failures. And so, you know, it's important for you to know that no one is, is posting their failures. And it's important for you to know that you don't know what their season of failing looked like. You, you don't necessarily know what, 
you know, what they've gone through to necessarily get to this level of success. And so I want to leave you with this, that through failure, um, you will create your next opportunity or next opportunities. And um, understand that there are many ways for you to achieve success and no one, no one person's success will look the same. And so what that means is, is you may have a thousand people, you know, we, we have coaches, right? So, you know, I am a business coach. We have a million and one business coaches out there, but no one's success will look the same and no one's tribe will look the same. We may overlap and we may have some people join our class. We may have one, you know, some people, you know, overlap into the different courses that we have and that kind of thing, but they are drawn to us for different reasons. Um, they're not drawn to us for the same reason. And so, you know, just know that, you know, you know, use someone else's, you know, um, blueprint as a blueprint, you know, for, for you and take some of, you know, you can, you can take some of, you can model some of what they have, but to, to take their entire, you know, uh, blueprint and think that you can copy it and, and be able to put that forth, it's not going to work because there's a certain skill set that you have. And then there's a certain skill set that they have. There are things that they've been through. There's things that they've experienced that you haven't experienced. And that's the reason why they had to go that particular, um, you know, avenue in order to be able to achieve their success, to build their business, to write their book, whatever it is. But you in turn, you have to find your own way. And so, you know, that kind of leads away from, you know, that comparison. It also will help you with the imposter syndrome. It'll help you with being able to show up as your full self and understanding that, you know, the failures that I've been through, uh, the schooling that I have had or haven't had or whatever it is that that's that that you were meant to go that road. You were meant to you you were meant to go uh, through that. And, you know, in some cases you were meant to go through that. You were meant to overcome the things that you've overcome without certain things or with certain things, because, you know, you are meant to show that it's possible. You are meant to show that although this is the hand that I was dealt, although this is this is the way in which I had to arrive, I still was able to get here. I was still able to achieve. You know, I love panel discussions because a lot of times what you'll see on a panel discussion is you may see five, six, you know, I've seen as a bigger panel as maybe 10 people, you know, on a panel discussion. And although they've arrived, you know, at this place, you know, of so-called, you know, success, Right. Um, you know, and I say so-called success because everyone's success looks differently. So, you know, we have them, you know, sitting up on this, uh, you know, panel and on this platform and we're saying this is what success looks like. But then when you look at their stories, each one of them has a totally different way in which they arrived. You know, some of them went the education route and, and breezed right through and, and were able to get there. Some people, um, you know, went education, then hands-on experience, then back to education, hands-on experience, and they went that route. Some people up um, on a panel may have zero education um, as far as, you know, um, you know, going to college or, you know, high school, you know, graduating high school, whatever, you know, there, I know people who are, you know, high school dropouts and they were able to achieve um, success because, because that was what their road and their, their, their path was, 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 they were, that was the path that they were meant to take. And so, you know, just remember your success is your success. And so I hope that this episode was, you know, educational. I do believe that I could almost split this episode into two different segments and go for, you know, hours and hours, but I really just wanted to um, put this out there 
um, and just get the, you know, kind of the mind, you know, rolling, you know, with so many women, you know, um, especially Muslim women and covered Muslim women that are entering into the, the professional landscape or the corporate landscape, you know, it's important for us to have these conversations. And it's important for us to know that, you know, we can show up as our most authentic selves. We, you know, I put up a meme, um, you know, I believe it was yesterday or this morning, something like that, you know, I close deals in hijab, what's your superpower? And I think that that's very important. You know, I myself, you know, when I was graduating, you know, and I was going through, uh, when I graduated high school and started going through college and then, you know, looking for, um, you know, jobs in the corporate space, you know, I didn't feel that my hijab, I was going to be taken seriously. I felt like, you know, I was going to enter into this space where, um, you know, I wasn't going to be able to, um, you know, be taken seriously or that I wasn't going to be able to earn the money that I think that I deserved at the time because I did wear hijab. And so again, that's, that's, that's kind of making a decision based on what I think, you know, someone else is going to think. And I think we need to start, um, you know, just, just unapologetically showing up as ourselves and understanding that, you know, if, uh, it's meant to be, if we're meant to be in a particular space and we're meant to be successful, we meant to work for a particular company and we're, we're meant to be successful, we will be. Um, if we're not meant to work there, you know, guess what? We won't work there and, and we won't, um, you know, we won't be in that space, but you know, another door will open. There will be another opportunity for, for, for us. And so I think that, you know, we need to work on not diminishing our, ourselves, uh, just to fit in. And I think, you know, it goes back to, you know, kind of fitting into this box, you know, we need to get rid of these boxes because when we put our, when we put people or we put ourselves into our box, into a box, we limit ourselves. We limit, you know, what we're, what we're capable of doing and we limit what an employee or a potential employee is capable of, of doing when we put them in this box and we don't allow their creativity to thrive. Um, I forget, uh, there was a company that um, I visited probably about 10 years ago, uh, working uh, for one of the uh, corporations that I worked for. And um, what I loved is, is when I visited their campus, they had like a koi pond. Uh, they, it was the day that I came, it was bring your dog to work day. And um, you could dress down. Um, there was, it was open space. You could literally have your desk anywhere you wanted, like in the, you know, in the, the building, like um, they just created an environment where uh, the it was sky was the limit. There was no cap on you know your creativity. You you could exist. At, you could come to work as who you were. And um, that that particular day at that particular company was very eye opening and very um, you know memorable because you know I felt like they really understood that they needed to give their employees like this this free reign in order for them to one be happy at work um two to feel like you know they they were being appreciated and that you know they they were being heard essentially and so um you know i think that's probably the best example that i can give you on you know just just you know showing up as your your best self is it means to show up authentically means to show up as your truest self so don't put a cap on who you are because you feel like you know um someone won't accept you you know there's this thing you know just shine shine your light shine your light and don't worry about you know what anyone else um thinks and so um i just want to thank you guys for listening and just remember your success is your success 
This has been another spectacular episode of Boss Hichavipreneur. It is our hope here at BUNHD that after each episode, you will be empowered to have a deeper connection in your spirituality, personal, and business relationships. As women of faith, we have a responsibility to learn our religion, apply it to our daily lives, and to make a positive contribution in our local and global community. My inspirational quote of the week, my heart is at ease knowing that what was meant for me will never miss me and that what misses me was never meant for me. Imam Shafi. Thank you and have a great week.